Welcome to Game On, the weekly football podcast bringing together seasoned professionals, the male star football writers and a celebrity fan or two. I'm your host, Mark Pugach. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple and Google. And if you haven't already, why not sign up for the daily Mail Plus briefing at mailplus.co.uk, where you can also watch Game On on video. Hello, I'm Mark Pugach and welcome to Game On. Should clubs make a fuss when matches are rearranged at short notice in these COVID times? And should players stop hugging after scoring goals? Because if they do hug, is that an insult to the rest of us? Well, joining us to discuss all this, Danny Simpson, who won the league with Leicester City, Chris Sutton, the former Chelsea and Celtic striker, and the Daily Mail's chief sports writer, Martin Sammy. Hello, everybody. Good to see you looking so well in these strange days. Um, Martin, let's talk about something which is completely affected by COVID. And this is when players score, the Premier League, the authorities want them to stop hugging. Apparently, the rules are clear they shouldn't hug after a goal, but no one is enforcing them. You've written about it this morning, this Friday morning in the Daily Mail. What are you saying? What I'm saying is that um, football is about joy and football is about moments of joy. And if you remove that last element uh, of joy from the game, you might just pack it in because nobody nobody is, is, is watching football as this sort of box-ticking exercise to do with just getting through the matches to satisfy a broadcasting contract, looking at 90 minutes as some sort of tactical, you know, cold, clinical, tactical thing. It's still about Sheffield United getting their first win at Newcastle, Fulham equalising late against Tottenham. It's it's still, if, if there was a winning goal at um, Anfield on Sunday, the most unnatural thing for anyone to do would be just to give a thumbs up to the guy that made the pass and everyone goes back to their places. Mm-hmm. Be, that that's that's that takes all of the, what the game is about and what football has tried so hard to do. Why everyone's eating out of cardboard boxes at the training ground and 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 why everyone is supposedly in these bubbles and as as much as they can be is to recreate the ninety minutes as close as it possibly can be to normal without fans there. And it's and it's really really hard. But, the, but what remains at the moment is still a football match because people still celebrate. And I'm not talking about 11 guys in a pyramid or, or you know, anything that's ridiculously excessive. I'm talking about spontaneous emotion. If you remove the spontaneous emotion from the game, Mark, I, I just think that all you might as well just pack, pack it in because... And it's and all of the talk about, oh, it's an influence to society, it's an influence to society... If you think that this, what what you see on the football field gives you a free pass to behave like that, when these guys are being tested three times a week and you're not, when they've just scored a goal and you haven't, and they are given special dispensation to to play their sport which you haven't got, well then you're as much you're you're the problem. You're the problem. If you're still making excuses for yourself because of something that Dominic Cummings did on March the 27th, the problem isn't Dominic Cummings, the problem's you. You know, I feel that very, very strongly. You cannot, and, and politicians like Julian Knight, who never miss an opportunity to, to try to score points off football, can... You know, they should have much better things to worry about. They've had, they had nine months to get an effective distribution system for the vaccine and didn't, didn't come up with one. So, you know, get your nose out. Chris, Daniel, I'll come to you as the player in a second. Chris, that's that's one view, which Martin holds obviously very passionately. The other view is... I know Chris doesn't The other it. view is... Uh, you know, my kids can't hug their granny and haven't been able to do for months. For goodness sake, footballers, all we're asking you to do is not jump over each other when you score. The rest of society is having to make massive sacrifices. Why can't you make a tiny sacrifice of just a thumbs up when you score a goal? Yeah, and, and I have to say, I agree with a lot of what Martin had to say about, the, you know, the moment and, you know, how important, how important celebrating is. But my view on this is just don't give the politicians an excuse to shut football down. As simple as that. 
So, you know, when you're in the moment, somebody scores from a corner and a teammate is a yard away and jumps on the goal scorer, then I think we can forgive that. But, you know, players who run from 20, 30 yards away do have time to think and just think, you know, let's tone it down. So it, it's simple for me. Don't give the politicians an excuse to, to shut football down now. So, you know, for that reason, I just think if you're a player, just be, just be switched on, understand the situation which we're in which all players, I'm sure, uh, you know, will do and do do and, and just just stay away. Just, you know, for these next however many months, just settle it down, calm down, know the situation. And it's not ideal, but I think that footballers are just going to have to go through that. Danny, how much have you talked about this? There's so many things you're having to talk about at the moment. But on this subject alone, when you, when you score a goal, try not to jump over each other. How much have you talked about that? Yeah, and the players are saying, like I said, the players they, they know when someone's neg- um, um, positive, uh, negative. Um, they're in their own bubble, so I understand. You know the whole, you know the other players, the team swapping shirts and uh, and you know crossing over bubbles and uh, from the other opposition. But in your own bubble, your own circle, it's so you know the the, the rules are, are so strong and the clubs are taking it so serious now. You know you you eating your breakfast in your car. Um, you know, before training, um, you know, you shower on your own. It's um, as for Leicester, I know that especially the new training ground. Uh, obviously, now not all clubs are like this. They've, they've got their own rooms. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's um, you get tested that much, and you know when when someone's uh, positive, they get removed. Um, and you're going into a game knowing that you know you're all safe. You're all in the dress room together. Um, even the showers, okay, you were all showering together and, you know, you, 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 you split up, you know, you miss one shower out. And But I said the players, I think, um, and obviously not not many of them will come out and say it, but they don't obviously agree with, with you know, what the politicians are trying to say. But we have to because we don't want football to shut down. Mark, is it, Mark is it, can I just say, Mark, is it, a, you know, it's a perception thing as well, though, isn't it? Because, I mean, you... You know, you have doctors and nurses who are having to stay away from their families in isolation. So I don't think it's that much to ask. Well, I, you know, take Danny's point, I take Martin's point, just for the, you know, for the time being, just just tone it down. If you're close to someone, it's spontaneous. I think everybody understands that we can forgive that. But just no daft 80, 90 minute uh, uh, yard runs and, and jumping on players. Well, because Martin, just... Martin the, the, the point is, if a lot of these teams choreograph celebrations when life is normal you see the terrible choreograph celebration well you've you've worked on that so you can work on this just give a you know wave I, I, we all accept if you know if marcus rashford scores the winner in the last second uh, you know there probably will be something people will understand that side of it which is completely instinctive but if you can choreograph celebrations you can at least choreograph that we're just going to, you know, thumbs up to yeah, it. Yeah, you, you can. But I think what you, I think everyone needs to cut people a little bit of slack here. That, that's, that's all I mean. That there will be, mo- you know, there will be, Harry Kane scored against Fulham and there was a very socially distant celebration and it was, and it was all wonderful. Now, it could be that Harry Kane is a particularly responsible guy and that was the forefront of his mind going out onto the field that if, if I score, and there's a good chance he will score. Um, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to make sure that that I don't do anything that's going to cause a problem. However, it's not the last minute. It's not against Arsenal. They're not going to go top of the league. It was it was an early goal against Fulham, who probably deep down Tottenham thought they were going to beat. Um, and there are different circumstances. There will always be a player, you know, that that, that doesn't in the in the heat of the moment. But, you know, we've all read the descriptions about what it feels like to score a goal, and that's another thing. You've got a lot of guys there. You've got a lot of people judging footballers who don't actually realise the emotion of uh, of goal scoring or the emotion of, of of sport generally, and 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 how it and how it affects people. Um, and I think these all, I think these all things that need to be considered. And I just think we need to be a little less judgmental of each other in what is a, a very, very bizarre um, moment in human history. Also, Mark, what, what, what I wonder whether you know what Martin's view is on one thing which I've sat and watched, and we all had is, is the managers before games and after mm. games. 
hugging, shaking hands. Yeah. I have to say, I've always thought watching that, that's all rather unnecessary, isn't it? Yeah, well, I saw Jose and uh, Scott Parker, and Jose waited in, in, the, in, the, in the tunnel for Scott Parker, and he's a great big bear hug and, and all of that, and you're thinking, really? I mean, you know, that's, I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure about that. I mean, if, you know, if you see a friend, if you're out walking and running or whatever, and you see a friend over the park, you don't meet him with a bear hug at the moment. You, you, you just don't. I mean, it, it, it's it's one of those things that's in, in your mind, it, you're probably in your friends' minds, that you, you 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 keep your distance from each other. Yeah, I, I, I can understand that sort of thing where there's thought into it. It's, a, you know, the, um, as I go into um, Loftus Road the other week, it's not a smart... Is not the smart move because right. you've had time to think about that trip. You've had time to plan that trip. You've got to phone them up. You've got to get a ticket or someone's got to invite you and you've got to say yes. I can understand that there are things where clubs will be saying to their players, what were you, what were you thinking? What, how did you possibly think that was allowed? I just think that the what football is going, is keeping going to try for that 90 minutes to be normal. And I think we've got to just allow within that 90 minutes that there will be some degree of spontaneity. Otherwise, you might as well play the whole league out on FIFA. Yeah, I'll be honest as well. I think this this, this lockdown, I know I've been speaking to a lot of people about mental health and football Absolutely. is actually keeping people going. You know, I've struggled with mental health in the past and uh, only come out and spoke about it a little bit, but... We can't shut it down this time. I think this, this, you know, this one's difficult and we really do need to keep football going. And, you know, Marty mentioned before about the circumstances and Chris has mentioned a play running 30 yards. And if if a team's, you know, they're winning 2-0 and it's the last minute, they go 3-0 up. We see it before COVID, you know, you score 3-0, you know, they just touch each other and they run back. Yeah. You know, but if, you know, Man United Liverpool this weekend, Rashford scores in the last minute, uh, and they beat Liverpool 2-1 for example in that moment you can't we're going to lose you're not, you're not robots I think we're, we're just talking about degrees of sacrifice aren't we that's all we're talking about yeah. so you know for football to play their part there Danny let's talk about playing at short notice because Scott Parker made a heck of a row about the Fulham game being rearranged at short notice at Tottenham and then Fulham went and played outstandingly well in the second half and thoroughly deserved their point so from where I'm sitting, I'm thinking, well, don't make a fuss, Scott. You, you know, your team were very well prepared. Does it really make any difference to be given such short notice to play? Um, I, I get, I get both sides. You know, people like routines and 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 plans and stuff. But sometimes it, it can give players an excuse. You know, so Fulham players went into that game knowing, well, if we get beat, we've got an excuse. <laughs> um, and sometimes that can actually make you not maybe relax a bit more. You know, play, play, players will, will do anything to, you know, to, to have an excuse of either a bad performance or, or, or blame something else or blame someone else. And can actually just make you like, relax, like I said, relax a little bit more and, and go into the match with, without anything to lose. Um, so, yeah, I, I get it a little bit. But at the end of the day, this, this is new. This season is new to everybody. Everyone has to deal with what's going on, uh, and we can't complain or go on about it. It's gone. It's not that time. It's going to happen again to another team. Um, but yeah, I get the whole routine and trying to pick players and you know, manage injured players and you know and, and and so on and so forth. But it is what it is this season, and and we all have to accept it and deal with it as players, as as managers, and you know, and as as supporters. Because Chris, you know, you pretty much play that. You don't. You pretty much play the same system every game. Okay, you might tailor it for a particular match, but you certainly, if you know that you're playing up against somebody, well, the information's there on a on a DVD on a USB stick straight away. Look, you're playing against Chris Sutton today. Oh no, hang on a second. You're playing against Danny. Here, here's the one on Danny instead. Bruce is on the bench again. Yeah, he's not starting. <laughs> it 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 seems. Yeah. You know, I think Fulham proved it, didn't they? Did, yeah, no I, I don't know what all the fuss was about. It's, it's yeah. not like Scott Parker didn't know how Spurs played and the Fulham players didn't know how Spurs played. Uh, they made, I think it was seven changes for the FA Cup game uh, against uh, QPR. I know it went to extra time, but plenty of time to recover. I really didn't get his argument. The bottom line is, is 
we all want the season to finish. You know, if, if we keep cancelling games and cancelling games, simply where are we going to fit them in? It, you know, it's not going to be possible. So it's an opportunity, uh, you know, at short notice. This this is going to be ongoing, I think. I think, you know, I, I really do with, you know, clubs. You see what's happened with Aston Villa missing games because of COVID. So I think that everybody just has to say, do you know what? It's not perfect, but let's just get on with it. Maybe it was clever from Scott Parker, you know, in terms of a manager um, coming out, speaking the way he did, you know, to, to for his players and the mindset. Um, mm. We don't know what he was thinking, but obviously now after the result, um, that maybe it was actually quite clever, the, the way he spun it and the way he, he got his players and the mindset to go into a game with an excuse and just go for it. You know, let's mm. prove people wrong. And we, we don't know how he was thinking, but I, I, I maybe... It was actually pretty clever from from his point of view. You've got a you basically. I mean, with this season, the amount of games that we're losing. I think Aston Villa have only played fifteen so far. I think Wolves have played eighteen, uh, and and obviously that's going, that gap's going to get wider um, this weekend. And you've got in the end, you've got a set of fixtures that have got to be completed before a certain date if we presume the European Championships will go ahead. And I just think people have got to be prepared to be flexible. People have got to be prepared to be told at a few days' notice, you're, you're playing, you, you know, that game, you know, you're free, Sheffield United are free, you're playing on Wednesday. Because it's it's a unique moment in time as well. It's the first, it's the first time that you haven't got to consider fans, travelling fans, home fans, the issue of tickets or anything like that. You haven't got to consider the police because there's a handful there no more. Um, you haven't got to consider match day staff, masses of stewards and stuff that need to be sort of mobilised and employed that weekend. You, you've really got a blank canvas. You can just shift the, the, these pieces about. And it could even be, um, and this is quite, uh, quite down the line maybe, that if you were really struggling before the end of the season to get games in, where you literally take a match out from the end of April, and say, right, you're both free. You can play it now. Play it now. Get it done while 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 you're still available. Because otherwise, your game is cancelled. Because this team is is isolating. Your game is cancelled because that team's isolating. But you're still to play each other. So play that match now, and then we'll worry about the other games, you know, later on. Because you you've got to find a way to get it. Because you don't want points per game. I mean, last season, points per game seemed like. Not the worst. It seemed desperate for Aston Villa and, and, and West Ham at the bottom or whatever. But, oh, Liverpool are 20 points clear. We can do it on points per game. We can chuck them the trophy anyway. It doesn't make any difference. Try and do this season on points per game if there's a point in it. Mm. From, from you know, nine games to go and you suddenly go, oh, it's Manchester United's title. You know, because on, on goal difference with, with nine games to go, there'd be a riot. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's... At the moment, if you did, if you stop the season now, Manchester United win the league by four points. Now, does anyone think at the moment we can call that Manchester United win the league by four points? Oh, Danny, obviously, very pleased. But um, Liverpool come third, um, and uh, they win the point. Who comes second? Who comes second? City. City comes second. Yeah. City comes second. Man, you win the league by four points. Um, And Fulham are relegated um, with. Where do Arsenal uh, finish? Uh, uh, well, Didn't go down that path. Who cares? I mean, they're a mid-table team. Who cares? <laughs> the, the um, no, but and uh, I worked it out yesterday. Brighton are relegated on points per game at the moment, but they've got two games in hand, and yeah. they're two points. Sorry, not Brighton. Fulham are relegated, but they've got two points. They're two points off Brighton with two games in hand. All they've got to do is win one of those. But they would be relegated on points per game at the moment because it's a really tight league, and you don't want God forbid that, that you're going to start deciding titles like that. You ask any player quickly, probably thirty seconds. Um, you know, do we want to season to finish and go back into that situation that we've all experienced, or just deal with what's going on? And as Martin said, if a game gets changed, oh, we have to fit it in that day. Play, ask every single player; they'll, they'll accept that any day over going back into that situation where the season's finished. Um, and the game, yeah, as much as I'm a United fan, it's asked, you know, let's just try our best to get the season, you know, play yeah. out the season and everyone play all the games and, and we're all in the same boat and deal with it. 
it sounds like yeah. we're being a bit dictatorial today. So we're saying don't hug when you score. Play when you're told to play. Even we're not saying it. Sport. Everyone else is saying it. We're quite, we're quite loosey-goosey here. Yeah, you know. yeah. <laughs> and the third thing is don't bet on yourself to move club. But yeah, despite well. that, Martin, it looks like Kieran Tippier's 10-match ban. It may be a bizarre situation where his ban ends without his having missed a single game because they've appealed. He's still allowed to play while the appeal is being looked at. Is this FIFA bashing the FA over, over mid-wicket and going, we're taking control of this? Oh, it, it, look, it, it might be, but it's, you know, I can't, I can't say it's a bad thing. I, you know, as much as I would like to disagree with FIFA because it's been a fairly consistent position, um, you know, I'm, I'm with them on this. I'm completely with them on this. That, that, you know, you, you know what I said about it last week. I mean, um, it, it's ridiculous. Someone else creates a market and then suddenly you can't speak to anybody about your own life. I mean, it, it's just not fair. It's not right. Um, and what they've got to do is it, what FIFA should do um, is follow this through to the very end and ban the market. Now, whether they've got the power to ban the market or, or, or not, I don't know. They're not, they're not the regulators of bookmakers. But FIFA should then use their, their power to lobby with whoever does regulate bookmakers um, to ban the market on players moving clubs. Because because it just is fundamentally not fair to the player. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. That I, I've, I've not thought of that. And I, you know, I didn't know what what you said last week, but I think you're absolutely right. Mm. You know, while while there's a sort of uh, a situation where there is a loophole as such, and players have always moved. You know, the possibility that the players. People shouldn't be allowed to bet on this sort of stuff. No. And that would take everything away, and it's it's it, as simple as that. It's, it's, it's your life, basically. It's, and you haven't... People say, oh, it's insider dealing. It's not insider dealing because inside, if you think of the share market, the share market is actually created and run by exactly the people that are then benefiting from the share market. You know, so the share market is stockbrokers, the shareholders, uh, directors of companies who decide to float on the exchange. So they are all part of the creation of the market. In this, Kieran Trippier is just sitting at home one day and someone decides to make a market out of his life and yeah. at which point he can't talk to anybody about it anymore. And yeah. he, he, he's, he's done nothing. He doesn't make any profit from it. He doesn't get a cut. He doesn't, you know, if, if Kieran Trippi had gone to the bookmakers and said, I tell you what's a good market, why don't you create one about where I'm going to go? Then it's inside a dealing. But yeah, he's like not part of it. Like I can't imagine, I can't imagine gamblers around the world, you know, massive outcry if, you know, no. if people well, if stop. market is obliterated, no, there are plenty yeah, of... Yeah, they just say, you know, we're going to stop football, you know, people betting on footballers moving clubs. Big yeah. deal. Yeah. Exactly. Chris, uh, let's talk about this launch of the Head for Change, a new charity created by various families, and you've spoken very movingly about your dad, your late dad's uh, battle with dementia and the and the, the part that football played in that. What What's your reaction to this new charity being launched? Uh, really positive. It's good, you know, that sport really is is shining a light on the dementia issue and, and you know, the fight against dementia. This is football and rugby uh, uniting and, and trying to, to become part of the solution. So, you know, I, you know, I think it's extremely welcome. Um, you know, I just want to quickly touch on the, uh, the Daily Mail campaign, which, you know, has had really decent success in, in terms of, you know, uh, PFA, them setting up a dementia arm to the charity now. And, you know, it looks like they are going to support families, which is, you know, everything or a couple of things which we asked for in the charter, which was, you know, uh, credit to the to the mail for that. You know, they've really pushed that harder. And we do seem to be getting somewhere. And this Head for Change charity is another step in the right direction. And we just need to keep moving forward. It's gathering momentum. So I think it's, you know, welcomed and, uh, and, and you know, excellent that, that, Sport finally, it's a very serious subject and sport is, seems to be trying to get to grips with it. Danny, lots to talk about in the dressing room at the moment for obvious reasons. Is dementia one of the subjects you've inevitably discussed in the last few months? Yeah, funny enough, I spoke to uh, Wes Morgan yesterday about this. Um, you know, and, and I mentioned this in a, in a previous um, discussion that we've had. And, you know, even yesterday we said... You know, we, 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 it can be controlled in, in training. You know, they can be 
a Monday, a Tuesday, uh, if you have a free week where you might do a bit of, of work on heading, then you don't really need to touch on it for the rest of the week. Um, obviously, in the 90 minutes, it is what it is. But then even in the 90 minutes, as we're saying, as a centre-back, do you, you know, do you don't head it, you know, that much in a, in, in a game, so to speak. But in training, I definitely think it can be controlled. And um, I think well, Chris has got the numbers on, uh, you know, how many times, you know, over a period of time, um, you know, we, we, we would head the ball. I remember him saying last time, like I said, in terms of, you know, I said I spoke to Wes yesterday and as, as a defender, if you want to practice it as a striker, you, you can you can control it and, and maybe have a specific morning where you do it and we don't head it too much. You know, OK, he's headed it this many times now and, and then you're done. Um, and the rest of the week can just be football-based, you know, with your feet, tactics. And and like I said, yeah, we, we have spoke about it and it, it can be controlled and I think it's... um. Obviously, Chris um, has, has spoke about it a lot, and like I said, it's it is something that, we're, that has been spoken about in, in the dressing room. Mark, could I just say quickly on that? Uh, you know, another point of the mail chart was this 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 uh, IFAB uh, temporary concussion replacement thing. I mean, we've seen so many uh, cases this season. Jimenez, uh, you know, his fractured skull. There was there was an incident at Burnley the other night. Two players lying on the floor. I'm not here to question medical departments, but it just doesn't seem right. You know, football and, and the whole country really needs to get behind this campaign. IFAB are not stepping up in any way, shape or form. And it's up to the FA, the PFA and and the players at this moment in time because this is unsatisfactory what is happening. And if I was a current player, I'd be screaming for this. Players' uh, health and welfare is of paramount importance you know, we all know that. And, and, you know, what are we asking for? For a player to, when he has a head injury, to be checked out by an independent doctor properly. If he's OK, then yeah. he can go back on. In the meantime, you're getting a, a sub. Come on. Absolutely. Because, listen, the Six Nations is about to start. We see it all the time in rugby union and no Ooh. one bats an eyelid now. We know it. Oh, he's got a head injury assessment. He's off. 10, 15 minutes. He may come back on. He may not do. But we, we all know as viewers exactly what's going on and no and everyone goes fine of course makes complete sense it's logical i think like i said if if, if this was a year ago two years ago in a dress room it wasn't being spoken about and now is so mm. you know down to chris like you said about the campaign um the fact that we're at this point now where it is a discussion um you know this this charity has been formed so like i said if this, you asked me a year two years ago no one was talking about it in the dressing room. It now is. So I just think we all need to you know, obviously keep on with it, you know, as players as well and and and, and keep trying to, to improve it and, and, and make a difference. And like I said, it from from my point of view, steps are being made. Um and hopefully they'll they'll keep um, progressing. Well that's Martin Keogh. Uh, uh, Martin, Samuel, this is brilliant, isn't it? You know, we, we've been saying how important it is that football keeps going. It gives us something to look forward to. Liverpool and Manchester United, neck and neck at the top of the table. We couldn't ask for any more in these dark days, could we? No, no, it's fantastic. It's a, it's a great rivalry. Um, well, actually, it's not a great rivalry. It turned out that they were thick as thieves and they were trying to stitch the rest of the league up, you know. So, um, it actually, they're best mates, really. We've now discovered, thanks to Project Big Picture, um, but uh, we presume we, we we see it from a distance as a great rivalry. I mean, a traditional rivalry between uh, between two clubs. But um, uh, but no, it, it's it's look because there's a there's a new name at the top of the league. Manchester United haven't been top since uh, since Sir Alex Ferguson was in charge. They certainly haven't been top this late in the season, shall we say? Um, and it, it, it's a proper game. I mean, it's, it's a strange thing, isn't it, with Manchester United? Because you look at Liverpool and you, they've got this defined way of playing and, you you know, they, they wouldn't have to wear the red shirts and you could go, oh, that's a Jurgen Klopp team. And you'd say the same about Pep Guardiola and Manchester City. Manchester United, it still seems strange, and you guys might disagree, but it still seems as if it's... 11 good players and sometimes it comes off and sometimes it doesn't. And it, there's got to be more to it than that because you can't be top of the table in January by accident. So you've got to be doing something right. But it's a strange thing. If you was to, someone was to say, what is Manchester United's style of play? What is their philosophy? You'd go, well, um, 
you know, they've just got some good players and, and you know, and, and it, it, it seems to work a lot of the time. And, you know, it, it's, it's a strange thing. I haven't got that defined character that the other clubs around them have got, but they're top of the league. You know, and, they, and they won at Burnley, which is, you know, we always look at as a yardstick of a, a team that could be champions. I think that's very fair, Martin. I think all you could say is, well, they tend to go behind away from home and then come back and win. Daddy, former Manchester United player, do you genuinely, hand on heart, think that United can win the league this season? Yeah, of course. Like, this season is such a a, a weird, crazy, special season. There's no... You look at anyone in the, the, you know, in the top four, top five, it's, it's about consistency this season. I think it's about... Who keeps the best players fit? Because obviously managing the load, managing the players. Uh, and again, I said it, it's down to consistency, you know, and, and Martin touched on it there. Like Man United going away from home, away from home. Mm. They're, they're, they're the games that you might look back on when you do win 1-0. Um, and you get out of there and you move on, um, especially after a disappointing result against Man City. Um, yeah, you know, Man City, I think, are coming into good form. Um, but I think Man United maybe now are starting to believe. But I also think that we talk about Bruno a lot, and I think maybe the other players around Bruno believe are in themselves a lot more mm. when he's in the team. Um, I feel like the pressure's off them a bit because oh, Bruno is there, and I think that's what we're talking about him being a great player because. As Chris knows, you've got someone like that in the dressing room. If he makes other players around him better then that is what makes someone such a great player. Um, yes, they get a lot of penalties. <laughs> um, but no, I, I genuinely do believe that they, they, they think they, they can do it and, and why not? Well, Jose Mourinho taught them how to win all those penalties. So says Marcus Rashford. Chris, what about this game then? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, you know, it's funny, isn't it, for Manchester United? It was when they went out of the, uh, the Champions League, once again, people suggesting that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer shouldn't shouldn't be there. So I think he deserves a hell of a lot of credit. Mm. I mean, it's a, you know, it's been a, it's a dream job. You'd have to ask him whether it's been, you know, a dream situation for him because there's been so much turbulence. Uh, and take Danny's uh, point about Bruno Fernandes. I think that he's rubbing off on other players. I mean, blimey, even Pogba's playing well and sort of turning <laughs> up. So, you know, I, I I do think it's a it's a big big deal, and you can see that they have players who who can hurt any team. They have pace in the team. Cavani looks to be a decent uh, yeah, bit of yeah. business. Eric Bailly coming coming in alongside uh, Harry Maguire at centre half. I think that they look a better pairing than uh, than uh, Maguire and Lindelof. So it's all clicking. But as we know with Manchester United, or in recent seasons anyway, that the wheels can come off very very quickly. So it's a very difficult one to call. But they're yeah. good players, aren't they? Do you not think? I mean, they're, they're good players. You look at. I can remember watching Eric Bailly at um, Villarreal, and he, he looked a traffic centre half. And then he turned up at, at Manchester. He, he, bizarrely, he was smaller than I remember him. It was quite strange. I remember him as this giant fellow at Villarreal. It might be the all yellow kit. You know, it makes you look more imposing or something. But, but. You know, they all looked, all of those guys, when they signed Wan Bissaka, you're thinking, that guy's a, he's a cracking right back. He's a, he's a good right back. Bailey's a, he's, he's a good centre half. You know, Harry Maguire's a good centre half. You go through the team, you think, I've got really good players. And you couldn't quite work out why it hadn't gelled until this point. Yeah, I yeah. think well, it's great for the league. But arguably, Danny, well, not arguably, our friend the bookmakers have got Manchester City as the favourites. Do you look at City and think, actually, I understand that because they seem to be in a very good run of form and Phil Foden is giving them something a little bit extra as well? Yeah, I, I can understand that. I think if you look at Man City, especially the performance, probably, you know, United at the top of the league, but I think the performance at Old Trafford in a week, you know, uh, we, we, we talk about how pl- uh, important players are. Uh, and Man City have not had really Aguero or Jesus up front and you know, Riyad Mahrez was a false nine and they're still going to Old Trafford and um, they're coming into good form. I think they've only lost a few games throughout the whole season. Uh, I feel like no one's really talking about them, which is Pep's probably happy about. They're just going under the radar nicely. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, Phil Foden, oh, we, I don't think we can, all, we can all speak highly enough of him. He's, uh, you know, as an English player, he's, he's absolutely fantastic. I saw a bit of skill the other day that he did. 
um, against Brighton and he just looks like a fantastic player and I think you look at it, we talk about appearances, I think he's, he's actually played a lot of games for, for someone his age compared to other, uh, you know, players in, in the past, you know, your Rooney, your Gerrard, etc. Um, and I just think he's exciting for English fans and Man City have got a real player on their hands. I think he's the top goal scorer from right and wrong for Man City in all competitions. Um, mm. And I think he's, you know, like I said he, he knows where the back of the net is, and, he, and he's, he's scoring, you know, some important goals, and it's, it's it's great to see. You know, I'm a United fan, but still, it's great to see a young player like that um, performing the way he's performing now. Martin, I watched, I watched. I don't know where Gareth Southgate, but you've got to get him in this England team. I don't know instead of who, because you've got a lot of options going forward. Mm. But yeah, that ability. You're thinking he's got to start, surely. Yeah, you play, you play him, don't you? He's ready now. You, you play him. I think um, completely take down his point. He's actually played more than you you think he has. Um, but at the same time, you know, he went a, a, a little stretch this season where where he wasn't starting the league games. He started in Europe. He didn't start the league games. And <coughs> pardon me, you couldn't quite understand it because he made a difference when he came on. I think he. When he came on at half time against West Ham, I think they were losing and they he changed the game, you know, straight away when he, he, he you know, we haven't had we haven't had one like him um for a little while now. And he's, he's an exceptional player. And yeah, absolutely. Starts for England. Chris no starts for England. Sorry? Chris, starts Sorry. for England, Phil Foden. Yeah, I think right at this moment you think who's who's a better midfielder than than Phil Foden? Who's English, of course, and I can't can't think of one off the top of my head. So so yeah, and you know if, if he's in form, chuck him in. He's certainly got to have a look at him, hasn't he? Uh, and and the beauty of Phil Foden, as we all know, is that he's such a versatile player. Mm. You know, he's playing at left hand side, but we know he can come off the right. He can play centrally. Uh, so no, he's he's in great form. I saw him playing that role that 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 Pep used to use Messi in that, almost like a false nine and and, and stuff. He played him. He played him in, in that role um, in one of the European games, I want to say, at, towards the end of last season. Um, might even have been Real Madrid, actually. Um, and to give him the sort of range that, 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 that Messi, you know, to give him the sort of pass that, that Messi has got to play in that position and to, to go where you like. And, and, you know, he must think an awful lot of his intelligence, of his football intelligence, because you've got to be smart to play that. I think as well, and Martin touched on it before, you know, when he said he didn't play much in the Premier League, maybe that's good managing. I remember Sir mm. Alex, you know, would, would would know when to bring a young lad yeah. out firing line, mm. you, know, you know, test him a little bit. Then when he comes back in, um, I'm not saying he's got no motivation, but I think Sir Alex was always the best at knowing when to pull someone out, yeah. give him a little break, put him back in, and he's going to go rather than just Every game, every game, every game. So maybe it's you know it's actually good good managing from Pep um, because you know he had a little he come out of it and now we're seeing you know his performances are, are, are very high. Yeah. Um, one other club I want to touch on before we uh, we finish with the Mark Clattenberg statement, um, Martin. That's Tottenham. They beat Arsenal two nil. They look in great form. Since then, they've won one of their last six league games. And the amount of times recently they've been 1-0 up and not won the game, Wolves, Palace, Fulham the other night, of course, as well. What's going on there, do you think? Are they really sit? Because Jose Mourinho says that he's not telling them to sit back and defend a one-goal lead. Well, he's got to be telling them something because, you know, they, they, they do it every single game. It's not a coincidence, is it, really? I mean, he's got to be telling them something about, you know, shape and what w- what to do. It's very hard to hold on to a one 0 lead. Danny's team, that that Leicester team that won the league, you had a tremendous run of of, of one 0 wins, didn't you? I seem to remember. And you've got to be a very very good defence to go right. When we score one, that's it. That's that's the game over. We shut it down. Um, I'm not sure Tottenham are strong enough defensively to shut a game down at one yeah. nil. Um, you know that Leicester defence that Danny was part of was a was a damn good defence and, and 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 they could do that. Um you know and the other problem they've got is is they defend like Atletico Madrid. It's it's like Simeone, isn't it, where they get they get eleven behind the ball. Everyone defends. They don't leave themselves with an out ball. 
And that's why it, 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 there's that sprint from Kane and Son once, once, once they counter-attack. They're not going to get too many goals from midfield because the midfield are never up with, a, with you know, the midfield are always in that, in, in that position. So it, it's a massive burden on Kane and Son every single game to win the game. And Marino was complaining the other day about Fulham that oh, we missed the chances. That's Kane and Son, strangely enough, the two heroes of the season. That's who he's talking about there. That's that's their job. Their job is to kill the game stone dead, and then everyone defends. Chris, what's your reflections on what's going on? Because it's like it's like watching the old the same film every time at the moment with Tottenham, isn't it? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's not like uh, Mourinho to to blame the players for not carrying out instruction, is it? Uh, no, I, I, look, I think Tottenham have still had a really good season. Do I think that they can win the league? Uh, no, I don't. And, you know, I never did. I mean, they had a, they had a golden patch, but they're so reliant on, on Kane and Son, as, as Martin said. And I think that against, like, your Manchester cities, where we can all sit back and say, well, that's that's a, a master class mm. where you set up and counted superbly. But is it enough when you go to Crystal Palace and you, you you know you're, you're trying to hang on to a lead? It happened at Wolves as well, and you know I don't think that they show enough intent, uh, you know, against if I can call them the lesser teams, and that's why you know I think that they'll have a good season under Mourinho, but they're not going to win it because of that. But interestingly, Danny, your old manager Sir Alex Ferguson used to say, "Draws are no good to me." Tottenham have drawn far too many games. I think what we're saying is you have to, you has to be an element of risk and reward, doesn't there, in the Premier League? Yeah, it does. Um, but again, I think you said you're relying on Kane and, and, and Son. Um, you know, and again, in terms of defensively, you might have said, you know, we, we had a back four that was drilled and played every single game uh, together. I don't think it really changed that much. Um, now, Sometimes uh, Rea's right back. Sometimes it's Dafferty. You know, uh, personal changes. Ben Davis and it's Reggie on. You know, it's um, it's. Sometimes you, you know the partnerships are, are just as important, uh, and we all know that the Kane and Son partnership is 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 up there with the best in the league, uh, and you can't just keep keep relying on them. Yes, at Leicester we relied on the Mares uh, Vardy um, you know partnership, but. Um, it's it is difficult to do, you know, to hang on to, to um, you know, when we was Leicester, so we we could get away with it a bit, but as Tottenham, as Mourinho, I don't think you know they they, they can they can get away with that. I don't think the fans will be happy with that, but I still think they'll have a good season, um, you know, in the cup final. Um, so I don't think Mourinho expects to win the Premier League, but you know, if they can finish as high as they can and maybe get a trophy in the cup, it's it's a good season. Danny, before we get on to the last subject, if I said to you, there are three teams in this title race, Liverpool, Man United and Man City, will your hand reach through the screen and grab me by the throat and say, what about Leicester as well? I think you you can't ever rule Leicester out. No. Um, look at the, you know, we look at the, the, the players they've got and the, the, for me, the recruitment um, I, I can't think of a, another team in the last two or three years that has recruited better than Leicester. You know the money that they've received off, you know Ben Chilwell, great player, Harry Maguire, great player, and they brought in, you know, we brought in Soyuncu, you know, James Justin. For me, he's been probably one of Leicester's better, you know, better players this season. You know, we're not even talking about Ricardo anymore. Um, Fafana, you know, yeah, Fafana, who's come in and has been, a, you know, he's been fantastic. Uh, Castagna. You know, um, the full-backs that have come in, um, to not even really mention Ricardo coming back as much as maybe we, we, we thought we would. Um, you know, We all know what Madison can do for me, you know, in that number 10 position. And But I still go back to, you know, Harvey Barnes is, as, uh, as this season. I knew for a fact that Brendan wanted him to his goals and assists uh, to improve. Um, and they have already. Um, but I still come down to it's Jamie Vardy. Um, you keep Jamie Vardy fit and, and Leicester City are a completely different team than when he's not playing uh, he scares the back four the, he's runs in behind um, whereas no offence to he's a friend of mine Collector Ian Acho, he comes to the ball he doesn't run in behind and it's a completely different Leicester team so you keep Jamie Vardy fit uh, he might not be a friend for much longer 
know what it is? It's, we've all it, he's been getting told for so long, but that's just not him. Oh, and yeah. you know, Chris, you're a striker, you know it's not in him, and I don't think you're going to change it. He likes to come to the ball, he has to get get it deep and turn. Um, and and he's just not. Well, to be fair, you can't replace Jamie Vardy, um, and you just can't. And I think you've got to manage him. He turned 34 the other day. Um, but yeah, I think you, you if you keep him fit, um, I think they've proven uh, defensively, you know, other injuries, they've coped and they've managed it well. But I think you've got to manage Jamie Vardy and, and, and keep him fresh for every game and, 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 and why not? Yeah, well, it's a brilliantly exciting season, as we've said. Let's end uh, with a friend of the programme, Mark Clattenberg, who's been writing about Jurgen Klopp's grievances with referees this season. And one thing he did admit was under Manchester United. I don't know what word you want to use, Chris Sutton. There was an, an aura at Old Trafford. There was a, a sense at Old Trafford, certainly from opposing players, that United would get the decisions. Did you feel that, Chris Sutton? Absolutely. Everybody, everybody knew <laughs> it, didn't they? Do you, do you know what? I, I think that I won the in the yeah in the 1994. I think it was. I think I won the last penalty uh, an away side got in the Premier League for a decade. Although some people said I dived when I outpaced Gary Pallister. I know you love think outpaced Gary Pallister. How is that possible? I was quick when I was younger, uh, and there was a coming together. I went down. Rule Fox scored the penalty, and that was the last penalty awarded for an away side in a decade. That's not right. No, we yeah, yeah, give the penalty now, Chris. That's what we want to know. Get overturned, or uh, I'm not so sure. There's a stonewall penalty you can see from my reaction. But look, I, uh, United have been on the end over the years. I mean, referees, you can imagine quaking in the boots, you know, having to face Sir Alex after a game if they didn't get a decision. I think that they were they were intimidated. I think that that's. Everybody knows that. It's nothing remarkable to say that. But aren't referees intimidated away at every big club? Aren't they intimidated at Anfield? Were they intimidated at Highbury when Arsenal were the best? Were they intimidated at Stamford Bridge when Chelsea were the best? Yeah, who, who, would you, who would you rather get in an argument with? What, Mourinho, Ferguson, Wenger? Is that what you're asking me? Well, if you had a pecking order, I mean, you, you'd, you'd have Sir Alex at the, you know, you wouldn't want to get in a total. No, he'd probably be it's Sir Alex. Yeah, I've had a few of those. I've had a few of those, and they're they're they're, they're you know they're quite exciting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's um, uh, you know, there's seventy six thousand people there as well. You know, it, it was it was twice the size of the old Highbury, and and um, no, they definitely they 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 definitely get something, and and um, it's interesting that they're getting them now that there isn't the crowd there. Uh, that that is very interesting, um, and I, I thought what what Mark said was that was that Klopp was moaning and um, was biased and was trying to put pressure on the referee. But then when he went through the Manchester United penalties, he was somewhat sceptical about, about quite a few of them actually, mm. which I thought was interesting. Danny, did you feel when you play for Manchester United? Oh, we'll get the decisions. We're at home. Well, it scared everyone. <laughs> <laughs> And he still does to this day if I see him. <laughs> uh, whether it's me, your other players, the referee, the opposition players, he just had this awe and his presence about him. Um, so yeah, it's no surprise. Like I said, he he he, he was that said he still scares me to this day if I see him and it's like I a boss, you know. And um, you know, I'm 34 <laughs> now. And, yeah, I'm 34 now and. He still scares me as when I was, you know, 18, 18 in the dressing room. So it's no surprise that um, we're all human and referees, you know, we're, 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 we're probably felt the same, to be honest. The, uh, Steve Bruce tells a story about when they played at uh, Galatasaray and um, and it all went off in in, in the tunnel and, and, and everything. And um, it, it, probably the Cantona match or whatever he said. And, uh, yeah, and he, he said, and we all let, he said, and you've turned round and the manager was, was there. He said, and he hadn't, you know, we hadn't non, you know, he hadn't been there. We'd been there, I suppose, quite a few years by then. But I mean, they weren't, they didn't all know him as well as, as we do now. And he was in, in there. He said, and he's come back to the dressing room. 
his ties around there and his <laughs> jacket's half off or whatever, where he's been fighting with the, with the... And he went, right, this never happened. This never, you know, no one breathes a word about this outside the dressing room or whatever. <laughs> so we're all sitting there thinking, yeah, it'll do for us. It'll do for us. <laughs> you know, because most managers, you know, they're not going to be out in the tunnel uh, side by side with the players um, fighting with the uh, Turkish police and the, and the, and the opposition. I, I, I had the hair dryer once and oh. <laughs> in the dressing room with the rest of the second half and I cried. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. That brutal? Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what the thing is, Chris, you know, you know, you know, sometimes if you get subbed and you can, and uh, the dugout and then, um, you know, the tunnel's in the middle of the stadium and you can sneak, yeah. have a shower and sneak back onto the bench. Yeah. Old Trafford, there's no way you walk no, no. that pitch. <laughs> <laughs> so if you get dragged off at half time, you're on your own. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, you know, I was only young as well and I got dragged off at half time for John O'Shea. Uh, thankfully, the United still won, but yeah, I got the hair dryer, and it was like the players. The worst thing was the players came up to me when Tarik finished his, um, you know, his team talk, and he just tapped me on the shoulder and the back head as if to say, "Yeah, we've all been there." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you were left in the dressing room for the second half, sort of like a little boy on your own, Danny. Yeah, yeah thinking my career was over and hoping, <laughs> praying that the United won. <laughs> Um, and what was it? What was it? What was his point? If you know what I mean, can you remember what it was that you hadn't yeah. done or, or, or were doing that he didn't like? Yeah. So it was, um, you know, obviously it was Everton. Uh, it was one of my first league games, um, and it was when Lescott was left back, uh, Pienaar was left wing, and Kale. Remember, Kale was scoring a lot of headers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But he was getting a lot of headers. So the boss has said to me, "You know, stop the crosses from my side." Because um, Kale gets a lot of headers. Twenty minutes in, cross comes in, Kale header. <laughs> <laughs> I was sat there, and you're saying he's seventy thousand fans. I felt like there was seven hundred thousand <laughs> um, fans. Um, and I went under, and he, you know, coming out time, you don't realise as a young kid, you know, in terms of winning the league and winning trophies, United at home, three points or losing points, dropping points, it makes such a difference. Uh, you don't really understand at the time, and coming at half-time and he was in my face. What did I tell you? Um, dragged off John O'Shea on and like I said, you get you get left yeah. on your own because you can't walk down that long, you know, patch of grass, back to the, to the bench. Yeah. Uh, pretty embarrassing. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's just a story I remember what I'll always mm. remember because, mm. you know, and, but then at the same time, players were saying it's also, he was, he was also testing you and seeing what kind of personality and character you've got. Can you respond to this in a positive or negative way? Because he's mm. so very, you know, the psychology behind everything he did. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's something I'll never forget, to be honest. <laughs> you know, he's the only manager that has made me sit there and, and cry. And thankfully, the, the team won. Um, came at the end of the game and shook, shook my hand, shook everyone's hand, because we got the three points. And yeah. then we moved on. Brilliant. That's a great place to finish. Danny, thank you very much. That's a great story to finish with. And that's it from Game On. We'll be back next week and every week via Spotify, Apple and Google. Don't forget to sign up to your daily briefing from mailplus.co.uk. That's it from me, Mark Pugach. See you next week for more Game On.